welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Lead Pastor Robert Herber. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. Come on. Who got to go to World Mandate? Raise your hand. Yeah, it was amazing. And who served at World Mandate? We want to thank you. Wave at us. Let's give these guys a hand. Took a couple hundred people to pull off such a massive conference. And wow, if you missed it, there's always next year. So come and join with us. And man, it was fun to see our kids learning to be Jedis for Jesus. So make sure if if your kid was there, you ask them what they learned, because I really heard amazing things that the kids were experiencing in the the children's time. Well, this weekend reminded me of, of one of the uh, epic stories from my life, and I remember waking up on a cement floor next to numerous people, mosquito net over me, and immediately just nervous and, and, and feeling perplexed about what we were going to do. I had a whole team with me in a place that we had never been and knew nothing about, and that place was the southeastern coast of Sri Lanka. You see, we had heard about the tsunami that hit in 2004 and devastated Southeast Asia, killed over 250,000 people, and we thought, we've got to go. We've got to bring aid and hope to these broken people. And so while so many people were flying out of Sri Lanka, we came in. God opened up some doors, and we created a base in the north. But after we were there a few days, one morning in our team time, we're worshiping God, and we get this strange word, and we actually look it up, and we find it's a, a word in Tagalog, the, the Sri Lankan language. So we were amazed that God could speak something to us in a language we didn't know. We look and find that it's a village on the map. And when we inquire about it, they say, yes, that is where the greatest devastation has happened, and no aid workers have gotten there yet. So I went outside to see if I could arrange transportation for a part of our group to go down there. And I went from, from taxi driver to taxi driver asking them if they'd take us, and everyone said no. And the reason is there was so much fear because those roads were controlled by the Tamil Tigers, the militant terrorist group that had taken over that area. I finally come to one taxi driver, and he says, I will take you. Everyone must die. He, he goes, everyone must die in their life. I'm ready. I'm like, awesome, thank you, hopeful taxi driver. And uh, we got in the cars, and we're pretty anxious going down. We didn't know what we were going to do. We had found this one structure that was, was still up, and, and we had slept on that cement floor. But we, we didn't know what to do because everywhere we drove, it was just decimated. Just debris everywhere, cars on their side, most buildings had been wrecked by the tsunami when the massive wave hit. And so that morning, as I'm nervous and anxious, I just thought, you know, the thing I have to do is I have to hear God. Can I tell you, when you're in your most anxious times, your most needy times, the greatest thing you can do is still yourself and listen for that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John chapter 8 that those who belong to God will hear His voice. The Bible says in John chapter 10 that my sheep hear my voice. One of the precious privileges of being a child of God is hearing him speak. And so as I quieted myself, the one thing that came was not a voice, but actually an image. And that image was of a man in a maroon shirt, and then it was gone. 
It's all we had to go on. So we, we went back. Our taxi drivers had stayed. And so we said, would you, would you drive us around? They said, where should we go? We said, just drive. And as we drive, we're looking for a man in a maroon shirt. And we, we turn the corner in one area, and out from a building steps a man in a maroon shirt. So we run after him. And, you know, another interesting word we had gotten in that team time, a, a woman on my team had come up to me and said, Robert, you're going to meet someone when you go down south who you would have the tendency to discount because of their physical appearance, but that person is going to open up doors for you. Well, this man in the maroon shirt, it was just all wrinkled and stained and dirty, and his hair was disheveled, and when we walked up to him, he smiled and had a big toothless smile at us, but we spoke to him in English, and amazingly, in the most remote place, he spoke back some English to us, and we said, we're looking for people. We've come to give aid, but we can't find them. He said, I'll help you. He hops in our taxi, and we start winding around these alleys, come up to a big gate. We would have never found it. It opened up, and soon we were in the midst of hundreds of people who had taken refuge in this school behind this wall. As we get there, the, the people start flooding towards our cars, and my team did what my team did. They, they pulled out a tub of medical supplies that we had brought from the United States, and our, our medics started bandaging wounds and dispensing medication, and then I had a group of teachers with me, and they gathered all the kids, and soon they were teaching them songs and giving them coloring books and giving them instruction, and soon all the moms started gathering, and they said, you've brought joy back to our people. Our kids haven't smiled in a week since the tsunami. We haven't heard the, the, the laughter. We haven't heard singing. Thank you for bringing joy. Our business guys went and, and, and they met with the, the, the leaders of that village and they started helping bring infrastructure and, and organization. And, and as I was watching this massive line of, of people trying to get medical help, some people were coming with ailments that we weren't prepared to help. I remember one man with this massively swollen hand that had gotten crushed when the wave hit. He couldn't move it. And our medics couldn't do anything for him. And so they sent him over to us and we said, we'll pray for you. And as we prayed it before our eyes, the swelling went down. And all of a sudden, he starts going like this with his hand. And you hear this, this gasp go through the crowd as they're seeing a healing before their eyes. And we looked at him and said, God healed your body, but he wants to heal your heart. He said, I accept. We, we said, you can't accept yet. You don't know what we're saying. We share the gospel with him. And right there, he gives his life to Jesus. Another person steps up, and they're hunched over like this, and they had this big abdominal uh, problem that had happened when the tsunami happened. So we laid hands on them, and all of a sudden, the stomach is contorting and shaking, and people are watching this with wide eyes, and the stomach stops, and the person stands straight up. And we said, God healed your body, but he wants to heal your heart. And immediately, that person gave their life to Jesus. Person after person, many, many people were coming forth with malaria and they were burning up. I remember one woman, her eyes were barely open and she's just sweating profusely. And she come, came forward. We laid our hands on her and said, Lord Jesus, would you touch this woman in this desperate condition? And in a moment, she went from burning hot to just cold. And her eyes open up and she gives her life to Jesus. It was like every person, it was one of the few times where almost every person or every person I remember that we prayed for, got healed. And soon there was a whole group of people, and I turned to the guy in the maroon shirt, and I said, this is the beginning of a church. 
We went over to a classroom and gathered and opened up the Bible and started talking about how the church follows Jesus. We'd worship, and then person after person would stick their head in. We'd have to stop our group and lead them to the Lord, and they'd get saved and join us. These, these local workers showed up, these local Christians from another area next to us show up, and they said, for years, this has been a hard Hindu stronghold. All these people were Hindus, and there's never been a church, but in a day, there's birthed the church. It was amazing the joy that came to that area, the life that came, the happiness of the people. And I'm looking around at my friends, and they looked like heroes. But, you know, I knew their stories, I knew that the main medic with us, he had grown up fatherless. He had dealt with tremendous insecurity and pain, gone off his own way, but God apprehended him through the body of Christ, and he had been transformed. The main business guy, man, he was this crazy partier, this, this, this big druggie, but God got a hold of his heart, and he had met Jesus, and now he was doing all kinds of things for, for Jesus. The, the co-leader with me, he had grown up the son of an alcoholic and had basically spent his early years raising his siblings. You know, it wasn't that these guys were superheroes. They were simply people who had been transformed. And you see, transform people, transform nations. Yeah, I've been thinking about great companies, totally changing the subject. And, um, you know, companies that, that we're all blessed by, that we're so thankful for, like In-N-Out Burger. You know, those double-doubles just make you want to worship. And... and, and what makes a company great? And one of the, the qualities I've found that, that all the great companies share is they have a clear purpose. They have a clear purpose. Let me read to you in an Outburger's purpose. It says to give customers the freshest, highest quality foods that you can buy and provide them with friendly service in a sparkling, clean environment. Some of you guys can't wait for, uh, for me to finish this sermon so you can head over to that holy place. <laughs> yeah, I think about Nike. Uh, I, I've tried so many different kinds of shoes. I, I, you know, sometimes I just go cheap and I'm just like, I, 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 but, but I always end up running through the shoes and my toes stick out and they break down. And so finally, I'm just a committed Nike wearer. And, and, and here you go. Here's what Nike says. They have a clear purpose. So they say to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. I think about Apple. Uh, I'm, preaching from, uh, I'm preaching from an iPad here. I got my, my, my phone here, and it's not because I want to be cool. It's just because I'm not good with technology. And if you've ever watched, a two-year-old can use an iPhone. It's just amazing. They take it, and they're... Why? Because it's just so simple and so innovative. Listen to what Steve Jobs said years ago. He said, the purpose is to make a contribution to the world by making tools for the mind that advance humankind. And I have to include in the world's great companies, Chick-fil-A. God's gift to the fast food industry. Here's actually their purpose statement. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us, to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And man, I can testify their chicken glorifies Jesus. <laughs> you know, these companies have locked in on this biblical truth that when you have a clear purpose, there's power that comes behind it. When there's a clear, focused purpose, 
power is released. Think about it this way. You take a, 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 a big bucket of water and you throw it, it just splashes everywhere. But you take a hose and put a tight nozzle on it. You focus it and there's power behind that stream of water. Purpose releases power. Purpose releases power. And God has always given his people purpose in scripture. We start when God started calling a people to himself in Genesis chapter 12, it starts with the life of Abraham. Look at this, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And all peoples, someone got that, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's saying, Abraham, I'm going to call you to myself, and then I'm going to bless you, but it's not just for your sake. Then all peoples on earth are going to be blessed through you. And it wasn't just to Abraham and his descendants. So those people become the children of Israel, and, and sometimes they lose focus of their purpose. And so God would have to reinstate it. And he does that after a hard time they had. Look in Isaiah 49. He, he gives it to them again, just in, in some different verbiage. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be a servant, to bring back Jacob to him and gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. That's all very personal. He says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant and restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I've kept. I'll also make you a light for the Gentiles. That's all the other peoples in the earth. That my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. God's always been bringing a people to himself, transforming them and blessing them, and then sending them to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus shows up. And you know, if you wonder what God is really like, you find what God's character is in the person of Jesus. You know, if you, if you don't know where to look, always look at the person of Jesus. He is perfect theology. He is the embodiment of God's love. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus calls followers unto himself, and he lives his life with them, and he loves on them. And then he says this in Acts 1.8. He says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Can we read this together? But you will receive power when the whole, there's some of you that are not reading with me. Okay, is it not up there? Oh, well. Yeah, I stand corrected. Ready? Is it up there? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, actually, that's really impressive how many of you are quoting that with it not up there. Way to go, church. It's the same, it's the same thing. He's saying that I'm going to draw you to myself. I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit on you, and then you're going to be my witnesses. That is purpose. And, 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 you know, when we don't know our purpose, church, we do silly things. I, I, I've seen this illustrated so clearly as a coach of micro kids soccer, okay? Uh, that, that's soccer for three and four-year-olds, 
All right, and, and kids just, they, 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 they haven't got the purpose yet of why they're out on the field. And so you have kids doing the funniest things. You have the flower pickers, right? So I don't know if you've ever watched soccer at that, that three and four-year-old age. You go, go out there, and then some kids just run and go like, oh, and they're Right, and they're they're running to their parents on the sideline. They're like, no, 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 right. Just, then you got the sky gazers. Those are just the kids that go. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's the first time they've seen the sky or something. I don't get it. Parents, let your kids out of the house. And and, and then you got the the scared runners. Right, the ball comes towards them, and they're like. Ah! And they, they run the opposite direction. One of my favorite is the joke tellers. You always got some kids that instead of playing against the other team, they go and tell jokes to the other team. And so they're, they're like grabbing people, and the game's just going, but they're like kind of talking to another kid and cracking up. Those are so funny. Then you finally got a few kids that actually get, like, kick the ball. But they always kick it the wrong direction, right? Like, no. And, and so it's so cute to us. Unless you're the parent, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing, right? I just want to tell you that I think a lot of the American church looks like micro soccer, right? Like, we don't quite get the purpose of church. And so, for some, it's like this is social club, right? And, and so, you got, the, you got the church, and it's just like gossip going, oh my gosh, do you know what she said? Uh, you know, and, and that's, so, well, let's pray for them. You know, but it's not prayer. It's just straight gossip. We just, you need to pray for sister, right? And, and we're, just, uh, we're just a social, it's just a social club. And man, fellowship's important, but that's not the, the main purpose is not a social club. And then you got some that it's just all about entertainment, Right? It's, just, it's like church is supposed to be like Disney World. I actually heard of a church that had a super slide into their baptismal. I am not kidding you. Right? And so it's great to, to enjoy church, but it's not supposed to compete with Disney World. Right? And then some churches, you know, they've thought, well, it's, it, we're supposed to be just a university just filling people with head knowledge. And so it's more like a class you come to where you just get filled with information. Right, and then some churches get hyper spiritual, and, and, and people come out and they're like, "Dude, I got sloshed at church, man." Whoa, you know, I mean, great, but that's not the point, right? That's that's. So what? What is the purpose? We got we got to be clear on the purpose uh, of what we're doing. Now we we've always tried to be clear on the personal vision for what we want people to experience. We say, "Get rocked." Get real and give it away. We say we want you to get rocked by God, to actually have a real encounter with God. We say we want you to get real with each other, to actually have true friendships and, and really know people. Be yourself. And, and, and then we want you to give it away. We want you to take what you get from God and from your family and give it to the, to the world around you. That's, that's always been our vision statement for a person, and, and we've always used, this has been our calling, Luke 4, 18. Let's read that. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we've always had this, this verse as our theme verse. But, I, I, 
you know, this year we're, we're 10 years into the church, praise God, and we've just felt as a leadership team, we've got to get real clear on our corporate, our, our corporate focus, our, our, our corporate purpose, because if we get that purpose down, there's going to be power released. There's going to be power released. So we've been praying about it. We've been talking about it. We've been shaping it. And right now, I'm about to unveil to you our purpose statement. Are you ready? Can I get a drum roll, please? Can, can I get everyone? Okay, here is our purpose statement. Boom. Whoa, that was awesome. You did it right when I said that. Can we read this together? Transforming lives to bless San Diego. Planting churches to transform nations. One more time. Transforming lives to bless San Diego. Planting churches to transform nations. You see, we've always had a personal call. The, 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 the first part of that vision is a personal call. Transforming lives. It's not just about coming and having a Sunday experience. We believe if you meet the living God and you come into his family, you get transformed. And that's, that's our desire. That's the personal call. And, and that's why we've had this pathway to growth for every person to go through these, these five D's that we believe will happen to you when you really walk with Jesus. It goes like this. You make a clear decision I've met so many people in the church through the years that say, I don't really know if I'm a Christian. No, it's just about a time where you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you are saved. If you confess, if you believe that, then we believe you're born again. You've made a decision. So we start with decision. We go to dunked. What is that? That's our fancy word for baptism. The Bible says, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. It's the first thing that Jesus asks us to do after we put our faith in him. And so we, we, we dip people down in the water and we say, buried with him in baptism. The old life is gone. And then we pull them out and say, the new life has come. If you haven't been baptized, do that as your first step of obedience and watch God start getting a hold of your life. Decision dunked, then delivered. So many people don't live in the freedom that Jesus promises us. And so we have freedom ministry, and, and we pray for people, and we help them walk out of addictions, and, and we tell those, those things that have been tormenting them to go, and, and, and people start getting delivered from the things the enemies tried to keep them down with. And then we don't want to just make decisions. We want to make disciples. And a disciple is a, a fully devoted follower to Jesus. It doesn't mean they're perfect, but it, me, it does mean they're following after him, and they're trying to do what he did. And so we start discipling people. And then finally, we deploy people. You know, we don't want people to just stay babies. We, we want them to grow up to, to maturity, right? A, a, a baby, a baby just whines, you know, until you put food in its mouth, you know, or until you change its diaper. And I want to tell you, there's a lot of babies in American Christianity. Now listen, if you just gave your life to Jesus, you should be a baby. And we're going we're gonna to help you. We're going to spoon feed you. We're going to change up your messy diaper. That's okay. But, but not after 30 years of being a Christian. Right? <clears throat> Awkward to change a 30-year-old's diaper. <clears throat> I don't want to do it. So we, we believe in that. And, so that, and that's why... These scriptures that we were looking at don't just say, I'm going to touch you. Look, it says, it's too small to be my servant. I'll make you a light. 
or, or Acts 1-8, you'll receive power, and then you'll be my witnesses. Or Genesis 12, I'll bless you, and then you'll be a blessing. A baby just wants to be fed all the time. A baby just wants to be taken care of all the time. But an adult says, I, I still need to eat. I, I still need some care, but now I can care for others. Now I can take care of others. And you see, when we do that, that's, your life has been transformed. And then once we transform lives, we can bless a city. Because those spiritually mature people go out and they bless a city. I don't know about you, but I love San Diego. Who loves San Diego in here? We're so blessed to, to live here. But you know what? I want to be a blessing to this city. We have amazing weather. We have beautiful beaches. But can I just tell you, someone could, could sit on that beach and, and enjoy the sun and die and go to hell. They need Jesus. More than they need a good day on the beach, they need to meet Jesus. And you might be the only person that knows Jesus in their life. Right? If you're a student, you're called to be a blessing to your school. You're called to pray for people. You're called to share Jesus with people. You're called to help people. You're called to disciple people. If you're in business, you're, you're the bright light in that business to, to show people a godly way of doing things, not to manipulate people or use people, but that there's a righteous way of doing business that actually brings God's blessing. And then you are the one that can share Jesus. When they're in their time of pain and hurt, you can say, you know what? Help me, Jesus, my relationship with Jesus. I love what my pastor who was in town for World Mandate, Jimmy, said. He actually spent three months here on a sabbatical. He said, everyone I talked to was open to Jesus. He said they didn't all give their lives to Jesus, but he said that this city is the most open city. So God's put us here to bless it, transform lives to bless a city. But we don't stop there. The next part is planting churches. Now, maybe you've never been a, a part of a church who said, our goal is to plant churches. So why would that be our goal? It's because Jesus said the one thing he came to build was the? He said, I will build my? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is the only thing that can stand against the gates of hell. The church is the one thing Jesus came to build. On my parents' coffee table is a book about the history of our little town. Our, our town is right south, outside of Austin, Texas, called Round Rock, Texas, and in it is a picture. And in that picture is this old wilderness preacher, this young guy that's in the middle of a river baptizing people. His name is Robert. I really like that. 1880, he's baptizing people in the river. And those people that he baptized went on to form a tiny little church that became known as First Baptist Church in 1880. Do you know, a hundred years later, in the early 1980s, I got saved in that church. What other thing can you be a part of that will last a hundred years? That guy, Robert, had no idea that a hundred years later, there'd be another Robert that would get saved and give his life to building churches around the world. What can last a hundred years? What can outlast your life? It's all people's church. God didn't just give us a five-year vision. He's given us a 50-year vision, 
I wholeheartedly encourage you to jump in and be a part of planting churches. And the unique call on our life is we're going to plant churches all over the world. So God is going to bring people here that say, I want to be a part of church planting. Now, we're all about building churches. We should all be about building the church in our sector of society and in this community. But I want to tell you, there's going to be some people that say, you know what? I'm called. I'm called to do what you did and go to a new city and start a, a transformation agent called the church. I, here's the power of the church. Last night, we had our commissioning time where we send out our missionaries. And, and one of the guys we sent out is named Gerard. Some of you guys know Gerard. Uh, Gerard has a story like many people in this church. He, didn't know, he never knew his father. His mother, because of the pain in her life, was a heroin addict and a cocaine addict. And he had experienced tremendous pain and neglect through his life. But you know what? He was invited into a small group of this church. He was invited to a life group. And in that life group, he met family, people that loved him and accepted him. And they were patient with him. And they were generous to him. And in that life group, he gave his life to Jesus. And that life group said, hey, we're going on mission with our greater church to Mexico. And he went on that trip. And there he saw the power of God. He saw miracles take place, and he got infected, and he started getting discipled by some other men in the church. And so guys took him on as, as, his, as their little brother, and his life started getting transformed, and he found freedom. You know, from the, the pain of his life, he had gotten into some bondage, but God had started setting him free and picking him back up when he'd fall. And, and, and then he came into our school of transformation. And as he got there, he's, he was learning all these wonderful life skills and learning how to follow God. And all of a sudden, a, a man in the church starts employing him, and he gets this consistent, steady job. And all of Gerard's life is changing. And then he realizes one day, what God's done in me, I want to give away. And so he decides, I'm going to go to Moldova the poorest country in all of Europe. And I'm going to meet street kids and, and, and the thing God's done in me, I'm going to give away. And so last night we were laying hands on him and he went through our church planning school. He's about to graduate. And this summer he's heading out with our team to Moldova. What can do that besides the church? That's why we plant churches. It's because it transforms a person's whole life. Only the church can take care of someone from the cradle all the way to the grave. Only the church has that life-sustaining, life-transforming powers. And then we say planting churches to transform nations. Uh, there you go, pastor, talking about nations again. Why are you all into missions all the time? Why is that all we talk about? You know what? We're not a, a nation's church. We're not a missions church. We're a Jesus church. We're a Jesus church. I just want to be with Jesus, and Jesus is always walking into the nations. He says to his followers, just his everyday normal followers in the Great Commission, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all, of all, of all nations. He said, you make disciples. It's not enough to just make disciples in San Diego, even though we want to do that. He says, I want to make disciples of all nations because it's just not fair, guys, that we have a church every couple of streets in San Diego. Yeah, this is one of the less reached places in the United States. Only about 6% are actually born-again believers. But still, I mean, you can find a church almost anywhere in San Diego, but you can go to places like Tajikistan, places like Uzbekistan, places like Afghanistan, and you won't see one church, and it's just not fair. 
It's just not fair that millions of people are stumbling around and no one can tell them about Jesus. It's not fair that that so many of these people are living these poor and depraved lives, enslaved by, by evil regimes. Their life on earth is hell, and then they're headed for a Christless eternity in hell. And that's not okay. And so Jesus says, disciples, followers, my followers, I'm calling you to go to make disciples of all nations. And you see, when we show up and we're just ordinary people, you heard Ricky's story of showing up and all of a sudden we meet one guy, Sibu Soso, and the next thing he's helping us preach to a hundred people and people are coming to Christ and people are being transformed and people are being set free. It just takes willing people that are willing to go to the nations. I didn't get some call to be a missionary. In fact, I never wanted to be a missionary. But, but I saw in the Bible that, that Jesus said, go to the nations. And I, I want to tell you, we all need to go. He just doesn't tell you how long to stay for. Most of you will just come back right after you go. You'll go and, and come back. Let me, let me just tell you, if you're part of this church, we need everyone praying for the nations. And we need to be praying for our missionaries that go out. You are the, the air force for them. We're, we're the air support. That our, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and powers in the heavenly realm. So we got to be their air support. They desperately need us. I want to tell you, so many times we'll get things from our missionaries. We're in crisis. This needs to happen. And the church starts praying, and instantly they write back, we just had a miracle. We want to be a praying church for the nations. You're going to have friends in your life group that go to different countries to plant churches and to be missionaries. Will you commit to pray for them? They desperately need it. Secondly, we want, we want to give to them. We don't pay our missionaries a lot of money. In fact, we don't pay them any money. <laughs> uh, they have to raise their own support. But you know what? It is a privilege to give. Stephanie and I, as, as pastors, we tithe, we give 10% of our income back to the church, but then on top of that, we give to different missionaries. And it's not a burden, it is a joy because there's no greater investment of my money. You know, but I actually see my money when I give to missionaries is I am purchasing people's souls out of the grasp of hell and populating heaven. Right? So, so, so many people, man, I want a good investment. I want a good investment for the next 30 years. No, I want a good investment for the next 30,000 years in heaven. Right? And, and, and so I want to be giving my money to where I get to heaven and people are coming up and saying, thank you for giving because what you gave let someone share the gospel with me and now I am living next to Jesus in heaven forever. What better can you give your money to? What better can you invest in? And lastly, we need everyone going. Now, do I think everyone in this room is going to move to the nations? I sure hope not, or I wouldn't have a job anymore. But I think we should all go. Go with us to Mexico. Now, here's what, here's what I hear. Sometimes people go, you know, Pastor, I'm just disappointed. I don't feel like I, I hear God. People talk, I don't feel like I'm experiencing God. You want to experience God? Go where he's going. You want to hear God? Go to a people in need and watch him work through you, right? If not for them, you know, the first time I went on a mission trip, it actually wasn't for people. My heart wasn't broken, but I was just getting hungry for God, and I started hearing about what he was doing. So I said, God, if you're doing that, then I want to be involved. I went, and it rocked my life, and then my heart got broke, right? Don't wait until your heart's breaking for other people to go. Go before, and God will do it. 
But as you go, he is with you, the end of the Great Commission. And surely I am with you. And surely I am with you. When you get about what God's doing, you have the guarantee that he is fully supporting you and with you. We're called to go. Transforming lives to bless San Diego. Planning churches to transform nations. When we focus in as a unified body, there will be power to affect generations to come. Why don't we stand up? Would you close your eyes with me? And thank you for that one clap. Close your eyes with me. Father, we thank you that you give us a purpose. God, I remember in my young years when I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I was so aimless. Life seemed so empty. It was all about me. God, I love that you give us a purpose. There's nothing like living a purpose-filled life. Can I just have some prayer team come forward really quickly? Some staff, some, uh, some training school students, some life group leaders, and some interns. Just come forward real quick. Today, I, I don't want to just talk about healings from what happened in, in Sri Lanka years ago. We, we were seeing healings all through this weekend. If you need a physical healing in your body, just come forward now. We're going to pray for you. Give God a chance to touch you. Just start coming right now. You just start moving forward. Every time we share testimonies about healing, faith is released to do it again. And so we want to we pray. These, God wants to touch people's life. And, and also, I, I want to ask you, if you need to give your life to Jesus, you say, man, I'm, I, I need some more people to come pray. If you're, if you're one of our leaders, you've been in our school, I need more. Come on, come on, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just keep your eyes closed, would you, congregation? If you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't met him yet, you say, this all sounds good, but I'm not sure that I even know him. You just come forward right now and just tell, tell one of these prayer friends, one of these friends, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus, or maybe it's I need to get back to Jesus. I've walked away from him. Just come down and, and, and just tell them that, and that's where we all start. They want to they wanna pray with you. So just, if that's you, or if today you're saying, Robert, I want to be about this purpose, but I'm so overwhelmed with this area of my life, this problem in my life. You come forward. We want to pray with you so that God can meet you in that time of need. You just come forward. If that's you this morning, God wants to meet you. He wants to do business with you. For the rest of us, if you just keep your eyes closed, I want to ask you this question. The way that power is going to be released is if we're unified as a family behind this purpose. This is the purpose, the biblical purpose for the church, but now we've clarified it for, for all peoples. And I want to ask you this. I want to ask you if, if you're willing to say, you know what, count me in. I'm in. You know, I'm not going to do it perfectly. I'm sure I'm going to fail. I'm sure I'm going to mess up. But you know what? I want to give what I can to transforming lives, to bless San Diego, to planting churches, to transform nations. If that's you, would you just show the universal sign of I'm in by just raising both hands, just you before the Lord right now, every eye closed, but would you just raise your hands and say, yes, God, I'm in. I will give of my time. I will give of my life. I will give of my resources. Count me in. Maybe you're not even from San Diego, but you say, yeah, I want to live out this vision for my home church in some other place. Just raise your hand. Father, you see these willing vessels. You see my friends that are, are saying, I'm in. I'm in. Now, God, give us strength. 
God, give us grace. God, won't you help us? God, won't you bring unity? The way the enemy is trying to come and divide people and, and pull relationships apart, won't you knit us together? And God, won't you let us focus on you and keep our eyes on you so that we can see your name lifted high in our city, but also the nations of the world. And we're believing, God, from this little place in San Diego that we will send your body. We'll plant little churches all over the nation so that everyone can know the goodness of Jesus.